Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. No, no, do you put jam or cream on your scones first? No, no! <laughs> Jam or cream, no, no! Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy and tech support, Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. That is me. Poor old Nathan. So go on, Nathan. Why is there no Patreon video this week? <laughs> There's no Patreon video this week because I've been having uh, an issue with my computer, um... Basically, what I noticed it while I was playing a game that, that every couple of minutes it just sort of freezes for half a second, which is annoying when you're playing a game. But it's not the end of the world. But what I quickly realised is that it was gonna ha- it was happening um, in everything that was sort of graphically intensive. So any video recording, any video editing, any video uploading, all of that kind of stuff, it was gonna have these little annoying stutters every couple of minutes. So I spent a whole day just changing around with settings and reading about you know forum posts about what other people have had with this issue and all sorts of stuff and looking at different options. And I and I realised where it was heading. I was dragging my feet, but I change settings and change settings and change settings and change settings and eventually what i realized is that i was going to have to reinstall windows oh, so i God. reinstall windows which means that i have lost all of my programs um all of the stuff i use for recording all of the stuff i use for editing um all of that kind of stuff so i've had to reinstall all of that and 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 and, and readjust all of my settings and stuff so if the um podcast isn't out until tomorrow it's because i've lost all of my macros i I have to relearn how to make windy not sound like a cartoon character on the podcast and all that kind of stuff um but that didn't solve the problem so then i realized i've got to move on to to hardware oh my god started taking my computer apart i found that there was a loose wire that connected my my power supply to my graphics card so i pushed that back in fully and thinking that solved it but that didn't solve it so i realized okay i'm gonna have to change out my new graphics card for my old graphics cards still having the same problem on different hardware and so i went back to the forums and looked and looked i found this reply on this old thread for some weird forum from back in 2017 and the 12th reply down and someone says oh yeah i was having this problem for a month and what it turned out is because that i use a slideshow or windows it makes that the priority on the graphics cards once every two minutes to change the picture of my background 
So I lost three days' work to that. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That is painful. <laughs> and not just that, but I've also lost, like, all of my profiles and my, my oh, settings mate. and everything and having to reinstall all of my, my software. And Was there no way yeah. to back up all your programs? I don't I don't think so. I don't think... I would, like, you were too annoyed. I could have, I could you have just went for the hard white because you were so furious by this point. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh, Nath, that's... Um... That's shocking. I'm really <laughs> sorry. I admire your persistence and your your patience. It shows the kind of person you are. Really, that's quite amazing. Other people might have just given up and just got a new laptop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, definitely, I think so. Bardi would have been in his garden with the the tower with a baseball bat, just smashing it to pieces. <laughs> it's definitely like a like a thrift thing that I've picked up from my mum, who's never thrown anything away ever. Um, I, at one point, I was like, I was running. Um, my screen recording software that I use for our videos to record like what I was doing and like um, task manager at the same time to see what was happening, what was taking priority, and I think that's how I managed to hunt it down. But yeah, <laughs> hours and hours and hours. <laughs> Jesus. Oh well, yeah, you're off the hook then. That's fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I, it's probably a boring story, but I was desperate to get it off my chest, basically, and tell anyone. So I don't, <laughs> so I, don't I told you. thousands of people. Yeah, <laughs> I, understand, I understand why. And um, Buddy, you've had a you've had a busy weekend. Yeah, I have. It was obviously Spurs played on um, on Sunday, and it was also my dad's birthday. He's seventy five. Um, last time Spurs played on his birthday, he he made me go and watch Tottenham because we played Barcelona in the Champions League. And even though my sister and my wife were against it, I was like, look, he's given me permission. He told me <laughs> going to watch Messi um, is something you need to experience, even if it is my birthday and I've just had um, surgery. So I, I missed that birthday. So I tried the same trick on this one that, you know, Ollie Watkins and Martinez are players you only get to see once in a while, but it, it didn't it didn't play. So I missed Spurs to, to spend some time with, with my dad on his birthday. And you cooked what looked to be absolutely incredible meatballs. Pork and veal meatballs, really nice. I do feel a little bit guilty about cooking veal, but uh, they were very tasty and very tender. And what was his review of those meatballs? Um, lacking salt, which is his standard reply to anything I cook. <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's easily rectified by just him adding salt himself, right? Yeah, but then he says it's no good if you add salt later. It's it's a whole catch-22. It's either too salty. Basically, my food is never salty enough for him because of the salt fiend. <laughs> so even if I went heavy on salt, it would still not be enough salt. So you can't win that. But otherwise, taste and everything else was fine, but just lacking salt. I had a, I had a salty weekend as well, Bardi. I, uh, I, I was at the... <laughs> you could, I think I think don't tell the rest of the story. I think just let that hang. We can we can guess. Okay, yeah. Why not? Why not? Maybe I'll tell it next week. <laughs> answers, answers written in, please. I love it. Guessing game. Yeah. Um, so Bardi missed the game, but you've seen the highlights. Um, yeah, I've caught up with everything, and um, I don't. I, you know, you know me, Wendy. I don't need tactics. I don't need dots to make conclusions. <laughs> and I've got. I've made some conclusions. Believe it or not. Yeah, no, I, I can certainly believe that. Um, I, and I know you love to jump to conclusions after, after, after matches. Um, and then double down on those jumps conclusions, Absolutely, obviously. absolutely. Uh, so Nathan, I'll, I'll start with you. Um, there, there was a different setup in this game, interestingly. Um, it'd be good if you could sort of unpack what you think were the reasons for that, and, um, and then we can have a discussion about what you thought we learned from it. Hmm, okay. So we played a four-two-three-one. Um, we have seen like the use of that shape. Um, like we saw it against City offensively. We saw it early on offensively that we would start in a or defend in a four-three-three and then move into a four-two-three-one in in possession. 
Um, but then that sort of drifted away and we we were more sort of just staying in the 4-3-3. And obviously you have like a deeper eight and a more advanced eight and therefore there isn't a huge amount of difference between the two formations. Um, but this was very much out and out 4-2-3-1 and we also saw it um, midweek, mm-hmm. didn't we? Yep. Yeah. We And we saw it the second half against Arsenal and for the Arsenal game it made specific sense because Arsenal came prepared to, to play in between our three lines of defence. And so we changed that to four lines. Their plan is scuppered. But it's also, I think, definitely made us better defensively, not only um, in sort of our medium block, but also when we press high, also when we push back deep. It's just, um, I guess it's kind of like a bit of a default thing for most players nowadays. They know what their job is in a 4-2-3-1. Obviously, every manager is going to have different instructions defensively for different players. But um, I do think that the four lines of defense really helped. I do think that sticking with a sort of obvious formation uh, maybe clarifies things a little bit. So I do think it's definitely helping us defensively. Um, the uh, trade-off for that is that we're playing with a midfield two of Skip and Hoivier. And considering that in the four-three-three, our big issue in possession was our ability to move the ball forward from deep to attack, um, playing essentially both of our number sixes at once uh, unsurprisingly doesn't help with that so you saw in the first 20 minutes we had quite a bit of the ball and we didn't really manage to get it forward very much after that uh, Villa really came out and they tried to bring the game to us and they had spells of their own possession and they defended in the high line and they competed in the middle and I think that we saw a very um, a very Valencia era Nuno type game that's back and forth small strings of possession for both sides um, which was interesting to see and good to see. And we feel good about that performance because we got to see um, the good side of, of Nuno Ball. Um, but I also think it very much covered up that the 4-2-3-1 is going to do some harm to an already problem area um, when teams make us have the ball in that formation. Mm. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I completely agree. I, I think um, clearly there was an improvement defensively. I think it's it's obvious that we can say there's an improvement defensively. And that's partly because we had more defensive players on the pitch. Skip and Huibier both playing. They played the opening three games. We kept three clean sheets. They played this game. We only conceded once. Uh, that's that's an improvement. And I think it doesn't take a rocket scientist to be able to point that out. Um, but the shape as well, isn't it? It's the, the extra the line of defence, as you say. Um, the other thing I wanted to point out that we learnt from this game, Nathan, is uh, set-piece coaches don't necessarily guarantee that you'll be able to make good set-pieces because Villas were hmm. dog shit. Uh, okay, C- uh, come back to me next time we play Villa. Ooh, okay. And and try to remember that one. Do you know when we played them second in the season? That's, that's a tough question. <laughs> You're not going to know that. No. Um, but we will we will have a look. We'll pour over the numbers. See, see what the improvements been. Yeah. yeah, I mean they were they I were hopeless. So. Their set pieces were hopeless in this game. There was one really nice one earlier on where they. They they had a corner and they f- they fashioned a chance for McGinn from the edge of the box, and I was like, yeah. and, and that I think might be the first time that the commentators mentioned that they have a dedicated set piece coach. And I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Uh, they're trying a routine. It wasn't just like a, a normal corner; it was a routine. And then and then we saw like lots of the same type of corner thereafter. Many 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 poor deliveries, which is kind of the point I'm making. You can have a set piece coach, okay. but ultimately you have to have the players who can make the deliveries work as well. And the other thing, the really notable thing, 
was the the Matty Cash long throw from both sides. You know, lots of time mm-hmm. wasted as he trotted over to the left-hand side and then took a long throw, which Spurs just headed out. And I was really impressed, actually, with how we defended all those set pieces. The deliveries weren't good, but we got uh, we got plenty of players on them first before Villa could win near post headers and whatnot. And I think uh, Kuti Romero was a big part of that. And Bardi, I know you're a big fan of Romero. He had a strong game, he had a really strong game. I, I honestly believe this guy is a, a game-changing centre-back for us. I think he's his aggressiveness and his ability to win the ball and even commit fouls, like bad fouls, but fouls enough to, to slow the game down is incredible. He was crucial in that first goal. Um, you saw when, when Villa scored how um, the ball just went got played in front of Dyer to Watkins, who was just behind him, tapped it in. But if you, if you scroll back and look at the first goal we scored, it's this very similar kind of cross, but Romero cuts out that pass, which is something that our, our defenders just don't do. Um, it's a very kind of Virgil van Dijk trick just to just to be there, just to clear the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, the ball was clear. We went down the other end and scored. And even for the Villa goal, he completely walloped one of their guys. Yeah. And the referee should have blown up, should have been a free kick. God damn these referees and they're <laughs> playing on. Um, but I, just, I have a boiling hot take. On, 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 on Romero and it's not that Romero will be our greatest ever centre-back which what is, it's, it's not that it's not that it's we it, we were lucky that we conceded that goal because if we didn't it might have been a red card and then we had to play the game with 10 men because he <laughs> properly cleaned him out from behind I think that it was like a it was a strong yellow soft red yeah but I also think his passing is, is so underrated and so good. Yeah, people mm-hmm. people are concerned about Romero when we when we signed him. He's, he's just a top class defender. He he's they were they were talking la- early last year about um he reminded everybody of Montero, the the, the Uruguayan that used to play at Juventus. Romero is it's just he's, he's a Rolls Royce defender, but he's a Rolls Royce with, with like you know, with horns on the front. Someone's <laughs> got a hold of it and jazzed it up and he, he can he can he can intercept and he can swipe you out and he can pass he's he's brilliant and um i'm not sure if, if dyer is the center back to play alongside him but whoever plays alongside romero going forward will will enjoy his um his ferocity yeah i mean i completely agree i don't think it really matters who plays alongside him in, in one sense because he's just going to improve them by the fact that he's he's really really good well, he's, he, uh, he's a natural. The hardest, yeah, the, the hardest thing about being a centre back is understanding when to go and challenge and when to step out. And all Romero does is step out all the time. Just so. always step out. Problem <laughs> solved. No decision needs to be made. Mm-hmm. No hesitation. Exactly. <laughs> no, only confidence. Because decision making is where most of our defenders fall down. So if um, if Sanchez and Dyer aren't having to make decisions, Romero just makes it all for them. They can just follow alongside. Just just you know, like like the Duke of Edinburgh. Well, when he was at least dead, but when he was alive, just had to do what the Queen says. So that's um, that's all our other centre back needs to do these days. Just listen to Romero. We had an email from um, Nicholas Kurzweil after yesterday's match about Romero's passing. Um, so Nicholas says. I've read several match reviews and fan takes after yesterday's game mentioning Cutie's impressive range of passing and calmness on the ball. And these comments extend beyond yesterday. It seems to be generally accepted view of him based on the games he's played for us thus far. Now, I know we, I've written to you guys in the past bemoaning uh, Sanchez's passing range or lack thereof, so maybe I'm the problem. And I'm just living in a post-out-of-world <laughs> fantasy land where I expect too much from a centre-back's ability to pass. But I genuinely do not get the praise Romero is getting for his passing. To me, he's looked nervous and unsure when he needs to pass. And yesterday, he either under hit, over hit, or misdirected several short passes. Don't get me wrong, he should absolutely be starting for us, and I have loved his aggressive front foot defending. And I do think he'll go on to establish himself as a very impressive Premier League defender. But passing-wise, I'm not convinced. I, I wondered um, 
I wondered whether Nicholas might have been coloured by the opening 10 minutes a bit because there were a couple of really rough passes inside the first few minutes from Romero where he just gifted Aston Villa the ball in quite dangerous areas. And I was like, ah, okay, maybe his short-range passing game is a bit too adventurous, a bit too risky. And we're such a risk-averse team under Nuno, so it really stands out when someone is firing balls into midfield from centre-back. But I thought after that, once he settled into the game and had a few touches... He looks elegant and classy and it's not just the passing, it's the fact that he, he'll he delay a pass for a second or two to suck a player in closer to him and then fire the pass in. Um, and then, you know, some of his long-range passing and switches as well were, oh, I just thought they were fantastic. I really thought it was like the best passing display I've seen from a Spurs centre-back since Alderweireld and Vertonghen were at the back. Um so I yeah I'd just say to Nicholas keep an eye on it and um, I, I think I think the more you see it and the more you start to just see them it, because the thing is it's not just it's not just the fact that he plays long range passes and he plays passes into midfield it's the it's the the consistency of his passing even in the, in the simple passing routines the quality on the ball is so much higher than that of of Sanchez in particular I think Sanchez is our, our weakest with the ball is the as a centre back and Romero is clearly the strongest in my view. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm excited, and I will add to that that I'm equally excited about Emerson Real's ability on the ball. Um, I, I think he's a player that people have sort of struggled to understand what he is, which I completely get because he's not a right back that's going to absolutely beat his man on the outside, get into the box, and put a cross in. That's that's just not him. He he doesn't look like he can has the ability to beat a player one on one too many times. Equally, he's not a Wan Bissaka type who will stick to the task and get and not let a winger ever get past him. He will occasionally let a winger get past him because he's quite um, again reckless and rash and, and aggressive, and it works a lot of the time. But what he's really good at is receiving the ball under pressure and not giving it away, um, and that is such a huge upgrade for me on on Aurier, on Doherty, on Tanganga. I, I think yes, I am I'm liking Emerson Royale a lot so far. Um, so I don't think he's exceptional either end but I think he's good at both ends and exceptional in the middle like that's the bit he does really really well and I think as he settles we've got a We've got a pretty good right back there. Yeah, I think so. I think his ability to, to step into midfield and be a an extra midfielder was great. Um, yeah, and I just want a couple of things on Romero. Just going back, he's so young, man. He's so young and he's so new at Tottenham. And he, he hasn't come from the Italian version of Burnley. He's been playing <laughs> out the back for a, a while, well, at least a season. So I have a lot of hope for him. And Emerson has, has really looked good. He's so much better than Tanganga. Tanganga's maybe the better one-on-one defender, but he's just so much more confident on the ball and mm-hmm. he, he's got a he's got a bit of smoothness about him and yeah I, I like the look of him definitely yeah completely agree um what's interesting nathan is we've got these two players that we're waxing lyrical about their ability on the ball and it's like finally we have some players who can actually play out from the back and yet <laughs> and yet we don't build out from the back consistently we don't have passing routines patterns we don't have a way to build through midfield um and i i'm i don't know i watched i watched brighton play over the weekend I watched Brighton play yeah, on. And the two teams against each other. Who are you supporting? <laughs> I, let's put it this: Brighton didn't win. Brighton didn't win. Okay, so this is. It's, I'm not. I'm not saying they're the the best team in the world because they're not. But they were playing without Basuma and without Lamptey. They're two best players, uh, and and they're playing. Adam Lallana as the six sometimes, and Pascal Gross as the six sometimes. 
and they're able to play into midfield, then out to the fullback, then back into midfield, and suddenly they gain 20 yards, and then they're playing to their winger and creating something, and when they lose the ball, it doesn't matter that Lallana's the six, because they counter-press as a unit, and they win the ball back, and they smother the opposition and make it really hard for them to build. And so Lallana doesn't get exposed, it's fine. And I'm just watching that thinking, oh God, why can't we have the, Why can't we have this progressive style? Why can't we have this ability to play possession football through our midfield? And, and look... Potter's not a genius. He's nothing like exceptionally new. He's a very competent manager. And it just makes me question all of our choices. I can't understand why we haven't gone for a manager that wants to play in this way because we've got the players for it. And it makes me, it makes me furious. Um, Buddy, you watched you watched the uh, the extended highlights. I noticed, and I mean, obviously, I watched the game in full, but I noticed on the extended highlights that there wasn't a single chance on match of a day that we created that came from a possession pattern or spell of extended possession pay. Not a single chance. Everything came from something a Villa has fallen to bits, and sometimes it's because we pressed them well, or we defended well, and that's fine. And then we're like rushing forward and creating something on the counter attack. And it's bits and pieces and it's players like Son using individual pieces of brilliance to spin away from his man and get up the line and suddenly you've got four players charging towards the opposition goal. And that's great. Don't get me wrong. I love all that stuff, but I want the possession part as well. I want the I want the building through midfield. I want the stability of having the ball and wanting to have the ball. Um, Nathan, what do you think? Is this just simply what we get with Nuno? Uh, I I I maintain that things can get better, and I do think that things <laughs> were getting better for a bit because we were playing, um, you know, we were playing a deep line playmaker in Ndombele, um towards deep for a, for a spell, and then we stopped doing that. Um, and it's possible that we could see that again in the four two three one. Maybe we're learning the four two three one safely, like we learned the four three three safely with Skip and Hoybier on the on the team at the same time. And then maybe we will again begin to return towards Dombolo, um, picking up the ball from the defenders and and orchestrating our entire possession. Or if for some reason, and I don't think that there is a good one, for some reason Ndombele, as I keep seeing, can't be trusted in a deeper oh my role. Oh god, that annoys me so much. <laughs> then then we need to we need to we need to get the Celso in there. I think is the is the other option. So like we have multiple ways to not like completely resolve. Um, but from what I saw during that brief three game spell, um, ending with Wolves, um, we he <laughs> and Dombley did a lot for our for our issues in possession. But I think that um, we're getting better defensively and we're getting better pressing higher. And I think that we can potentially turn more games into the one like Villa, mm-hmm. um, which uh, which people really like. People really like the back and forth, throwing the ball up one end and throwing the ball down the other end and, and counter-attacks followed by counter-attacks followed by counter-attacks followed by counter-attacks as two teams sort of throw everything at each other. Um, like two heavyweight boxers slugging it out, and uh, yeah, maybe we'll see more of that. I do, I do have a question regarding the Endombele can't be can't be trusted. Is that people because he's one of the only few players I do trust to take the ball in a really deep kind of <laughs> right. position. Yeah, if if the ball had to get passed into anybody facing their own goal, it was, it's it's him. It, mm-hmm. I guess it's people don't trust him to hold position and be in a in a place to make an interception and stop an attack. I guess that yeah, that's I mean, his is. his defensive numbers are good. Like and and I think that like he's he's good defending what's in front of him and pushing up. He's a good presser. 
Um, he's less good in like a low block and a medium low mm-hmm. block where he has to defend space for a continuous period of time. But then so are like, you know, our center backs. <laughs> so like, <laughs> um, I don't know. I, 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 so there's a belief that he's bad defensively that is a myth essentially, or, or, or he's lazy. The laziness is the myth. The idea that he's bad defensively is like, well, he's good in these areas. He's not so great in these areas, but he, that doesn't make him particularly worse than like his competition and, uh, and worse than his teammates. Um, the other thing is the idea that like, you know, he tries things, he loses the ball. And you look at the, the, not the corner, but the other goal that we conceded against Wolves where he like, he receives the ball in a place where every other Spurs player passes back immediately and he mm-hmm. tries to hold on to the ball and make things work. Um, and he fails and I think he gets fouled, right? But it's like, that's happened once this season. Maybe it's happened a couple of times before ever. Um, I think he gets fouled in that situation anyway. Every team, teams that are better than us, right? The best teams in the world, City and Bayern, they also lose the ball building up sometimes. That is the natural tactical consequence of wanting to possess the ball in deep areas. Like, it's going to happen. So, um, you have to just, you just have to forgive it. You have to, you have to let it go. You have to understand that that is a natural consequence of, of being a team who have the ball and want to play out from the back. So I, I don't understand this idea that Ndombele can't play as an eight, that two managers in a row now, or trending towards two managers in a, in a row, preferring him at least for a period of time to play number 10 for us, which I think is a, like he can do that. That's fine. But it's just like not a, a it's a poor use of his skills mm-hmm. and it doesn't, it, it makes our biggest problem worse. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I would like, I'd love to like pick Nuno's brain apart and, and, and get his exact true and honest reasoning for well, you, you, why he wants to. You know to what it is. Him. You know what it is. It's, it's that first and foremost, he wants to be solid and, and safe and cautious. He doesn't want a player in there taking risks. In fact, he doesn't want a player in there taking the ball. He doesn't. He doesn't want <laughs> yeah. someone demanding the ball from the centre backs because he wants to play long balls forward and work on the on the second pass ball. to the full back and then pass back to the centre back and then pass long from the centre back yeah. to the wing. Yeah, that's yeah. that's it. I mean, yeah. I think it's, a, it's just a choice. It's. I mean, that, and that's fine to an extent. But like you say, you're not getting the best out of him. But I'm I'm more concerned with the the fans who are sceptical of it because it's like you've seen what Mourinho did. You've seen what Nuno's doing. That those things aren't good. <laughs> They're not. They're not getting the best out of our players. Clearly, so why do you think it's because? Look, Graham Potter played Adam Lallana as a six, attacking midfielder Adam Lallana played as Brighton six, and it wasn't a problem once. It's fine so, um, to have attacking players in systems as long as the system works. So you're saying Graham Potter is a disciple of the Tim Sherwood book? <laughs> that's, that's what you're saying. But um, I, bring I, back I, Shadley. <laughs> I do have a. I do have one problem. Well, I have a few with Nuno, but I think my biggest problem with Nuno is this continual use of of making Lucas look a good player in <laughs> in a formation. Our best player. Yeah. Him, make, yeah, that's the problem. He, this whole formation is built to make Lucas look a really effective like player. And, <laughs> he's and like not. he's he's running our game for us. It's yeah. bizarre. I mean, I could see if, if Lucas was Adama Traore how this might work. 
but Lucas is in a Dharma Traore, and it, this this is my biggest concern. Yeah, fuck it. This is my biggest concern that this reliance on Lucas Moura to break lines and move the ball forward and progress the ball. It, I'm, it's, it's not sustainable. Well, we know that's not a sustainable plan, and um, I'm worried about that. And it doesn't seem to be changing anytime soon because Lucas is Lucas Kane and Son are the mainstays of this team. When we'll get into Moura in a bit, but when it came to breaking down Moura, it was like let's put on Moura, break him mm. down. It's yeah, there's a worry there. Yeah, no one else concerned about this. No, absolutely, completely agree. To be honest, it was the big. It was the main reason why I didn't want to sign Adama because I knew that it meant. The, the football was essentially <laughs> give the ball to Adama and that's how you get forward. Yes. And but that's okay because Adama is Adama. Yeah, but what happens once Nuno's inevitably gone and then we've stuck with Adama? <laughs> we've spent 50 million on him. But can you imagine what Pep would do with, with well, it's selling, wouldn't he? He's sold yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's <laughs> fit. But it's the same but with Lucas. As... He, he, Lucas. Lucas has no place in a team that wants to be a top four side, if we're completely honest. He, in fact, he does have a place, but it's on the bench and it's coming I, I on do. in the last 10 minutes and that is fine. Yeah. I have no problem with Lucas being a yeah. an impact sub against tired legs. Completely fine. But as you say, Bardi, when, when your key tactic to progress the ball is give it to Lucas and let him go vroom vroom up the pitch, that's a real problem. There was a moment where like Lucas came towards the play. It might have been early on when we had we had a bit of the ball, or, or, or it could have been late actually. Oh god, I've no idea. One anyway, of those. Lucas, what it was at some point during the match. Lucas came Which towards match the play. Nathan? Was it the Murrah match or the Villa uh, match? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was Villa. Oh my god, you're really making me doubt myself. <laughs> at some point, I've imagined a moment where season? Lucas has come towards the ball. It was definitely this season, and he turns with it, and he I think he tries a little dribble and then he follows it with the pass forward the pass forward gets cut out and it comes back to him and then there's like everyone is shaping ready for Lucas's like deep cross from the from the from the channel and then he places cross across and I'm thinking that is that is Ericsson's role like Lucas is playing oh as, as Ericsson yep. <laughs> and it really like it shows the contrast between then and now yeah know? no it was a bit of game I remember the I remember the moment um you're spot on and uh, I think the cross was pretty good as well it was a decent cross yeah. it was a good cross but I'm thinking like <laughs> I'm remembering like who used to play that cross yeah exactly you know? exactly and but it's not just Villa it's it happened continuously in the second half to Arsenal in that kind of mm. half space the ball would drop yeah. to Lucas and he managed to hit the bar with some deflected shot and he's yeah it, it keeps happening and it it shouldn't be happening that should be a better play that should be I don't know De Bruyne would be picking the ball up there for City but we've we got Lucas doing it well I think it should be Lo Celso so we had a question from mm. Lust for Life sure. who says why have we not seen more of Lo Celso and Tongi on the field at the same time arguably our best performance was against Wolves when both are on the pitch and and Nathan I, I have to say that I completely agree I mean I think Lo Celso hasn't been exceptional this season lovely finish mm. against um, Mora really lovely finish against Mora uh, he's not been great but he's not going to get better unless he gets games and finds his rhythm again he's clearly a very good player like that's to me, the Villa game was screaming out for Lo Celso on the right again. Did you not think? I haven't enjoyed Lo Celso on the right so far this season, which is very, like, it's early this season to have that as sort of, like, set in stone, and it goes contrary to every other minute he's played on the right wing for various clubs and all that kind of stuff. Um, and obviously, like, a lot of that is, like, Spurs are bad at getting their ball to the front three in a controlled manner mm. at all this season. Um but then it's like if he was doing what Lucas is clearly being asked to do, that should play to his strength. Like coming towards the ball off the right wing, turning with the ball and and playing passes from there, that should be what Lacelsa is really good at. So um, there is also like the idea that um, 
something that we saw under Mourinho was like you want one of Ndombele or Lucas on the pitch at the same time and neither can play the full 90 maybe so you should just always have one and never have both and so one of them plays 60 and 30 and then the other one plays 60 and 30 and they they never they never pass the ball to each other once because they're always just playing each other's shadows I mean, I guess this is the thing with the switch to the four-two-three-one. It reduces the amount of opportunities for Ndombele and Lo Celso to be in the same team, unless Lo Celso is playing on the right. I don't think it. It doesn't have to. <laughs> like, no. if you're playing Ndombele as the eight, yes, you no, can play absolutely. Yeah. But in Nuno's four-two-three-one, it absolutely does, okay. doesn't it? I mean, I think uh, I think he'd even play Winks in the in the pivot rather than Ndombele. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, I think which, so. Which is slightly concerning. Um, so there's there's um there's a there's a video there's a compilation video of it, Winks every touch versus Mura. I I I highly recommend watching. Nothing happened for two minutes. Interest. I was going to make that exact point in the um okay. in the section on Mura. So let's come back to that. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A question from Jumpin' Joe. Do you think the 4-2-3-1 continues or do you think we go back to the 4-3-3 after the break? And I mean, I'm getting the vibe from you, Nathan, that you think it's a, a switch up now. Um, what do you think, Bardi? About eight weeks. Yeah. I, I think it continues. Um, I'd like to see a 4-3-3 with Skip and Dombele and Lo Celso. I'd mm. like to see that, but there's no chance Hjoiberg's getting dropped anytime soon. So I think if you're going to play Hjoiberg and, and Dombele, you need to play Skip in there. With just, I, I, I think Skip is just growing into this role and he's, he's becoming crucial to, 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 to having a body. In the, I think it's literally because he doesn't disappear from the centre of the pitch. He just remains there, which is, which is exactly what we need. And I've been a fan for a while and he, he's growing in me all the time. He's playing really well. He's playing really, really well. Um, I, one thing I would say about the Villa game is I was very, very pessimistic before it. I thought we'd sure. Like, I, honestly, yeah. I thought we'd lost that before we before we started. I, you're not fully <laughs> coys, with you? That's what. That's why, man. You're not, you're not proper coys. I was confident we'd beat Villa. Really? We always beat Villa. Well, we don't always beat Villa. I, 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 thought, I thought I thought we'd lose three, three one, three nil. I was really like because we'd been so utterly appalling against. Um, Arsenal, everyone, and yeah, exactly. Like it, it just felt like we, Villa are adjusting to life after Grealish, but they're three years into Dean Smith's tenure and they have an idea of what he wants to try and do, and it's he's not very exciting, but they they they're not bad at it. They're pretty good at it, um, and I just felt that they would completely expose us with their three midfield matched up to ours. and it, it didn't turn out that way. And I was really pleasantly surprised by elements of the performance. Um, certainly the number of shots we got off which was a big improvement uh, I, th- I thought Son was magnificent 
I agreed with Dean Smith's analysis after the game that he was the difference between the two sides. I felt like yeah. that it's quite a simplistic thing to say, but ultimately he he was unplayable. Like Cash is not a bad fullback and Son was making him look useless. He was mm-hmm. just able to sort of suck him in and then spin behind him. I'm, I'm going to take it. I'm going to bite here on on Smith, saying it's because of Son. He's a Tottenham player. He's allowed. We're allowed to be a better team because of one player. That's not against the yeah. rules. I don't think it's a discrediting of of us. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. What, I thought he was is. using it as an excuse. I he was just like, oh, my team were better, but they had Son. Basically saying that <laughs> they had a world class player, and that was the only difference. Our tactics were better, but they they had Son to pass the ball, pass the ball to, or run with the ball. So I thought it was a little bit unfair. He 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 knew what he was up against. He, as a bad manager, was was unable to counteract Son, which left his team open. That's the reason why he lost. He spent a lot of money this summer, and there's a lot of um, a lot of people thinking Aston Villa got to do things, but left Brendia on the bench. Uh, I don't know where Bailey was, and injured. he's got to take some. He's got injured. Well, he's got to take some. He's got to take a little bit of blame for that. Coming out and saying Son was the difference is is, is a weak excuse. Like he he allowed a game to happen in which. Yeah. Two sides have equal chance to counterattack each other, knowing that we have Son yeah. and, and Kane, yeah. and for some reason Lucas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's, I think it's a fair point, and I see Villa as a as a top eight side, um, and may, maybe a top six if things fall right for them, and Ings or Watkins um, keep scoring. Uh, I don't think they're I don't think they're going to push for Champions League places. I don't think they're, I don't think they're good enough to be honest. I do like a couple of their players, though. I really, I think Jacob Ramsey's an exciting young midfielder. I think there's a lot to come from him, um, and I really like. I've just well documented on this podcast. I really rate Ollie Watkins. I think he's, I think he's an excellent player. Um, I think he'll probably learn quite a bit from playing alongside Ings as well, who's a, who's an experienced performer at Premier League level too. Um, so yeah, really, really good result. Just what we needed before the international break. Everyone feels a little bit more positive about things, but let's let's sort of let's go into the, let's let's approach that with caution and say there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot more to do to to fully transform this team from what we saw in the in the previous matches. But you can take some real positives from it. The a defense with Royale in it and Romero looks much better. That midfield oh, yeah. balance may not be what we want, but it looks better. And Kane is looking sharp. Son is looking sharp. So I think I think there is some real positives. And it's not often we go into an international break with this kind of <laughs> with at least some optim, optimism and back above us. We again. did last time, <laughs> and then we came back and it fell apart. I think that optimism was a little misplaced. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yes, we we are having our like. Our momentum interrupted for the second time in a few days, and we're going to lose, you know, a significant portion mm-hmm. of our South American players. That's a whole other conversation. Mm. Um, I, I, I said on the last episode that we were going to learn a lot from the next few games, and I don't think we learned much from this one, other than that we can, like, we are not too surprisingly good in the way that Valencia were good in those back and forth, <laughs> uh, sort of high octane games. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So let's um, delve into the Mura game. I have to say, I think they are the worst European opposition I've seen us play against since we started qualifying for Europe again. And uh, uh, like in, yeah. in the last decade, they were I mean, appalling. Flovdiv were worse, but they gave us at least a bit of a scare. Mura were awful. They were really, really awful. And so we played, um, as Nathan points out, we played 4 one That was That was a point of intrigue because we hadn't played that for a, for a bit um, and, and I was going to say <laughs> the main points I, were gonna, I was going to make were that Scarlett and Delhi were the ones that Nuno took off when things weren't going particularly well 
Um, and yet, I mean, I thought Winks had a, a very uninspiring beige match. Um, Skip, similarly, was just fine. I mean, there just wasn't any dynamism in that midfield. and They weren't, they weren't able to progress the ball effectively. And it was really frustrating because it felt like if we just turned the screw a little bit more, Mura would completely collapse. And of course, that's what happened. Um, but and that's what the subs did that you were, you were critical of. Yeah, I was yeah. really critical of the subs. Not because of the subs, but the players. Go on. That, I really thought it was poor management. Um, we fell out a little bit on... I, I guess I, I guess I thought it might have been you, but on, on Twitter we've had different different opinions on this. About you, you wanted to keep Deli on out of the sake because he was captain and to, to protect him, whereas I was quite happy for him to be taken off because I thought it was substandard. And I, I think... I think he was the right choice and it ended up being the right choice. We made those substitutions. He came off. I think it was unfair on Scarlett, but I don't think Scarlett can take that as a slight. He wasn't playing very well and he deserved to come off. And Delhi wasn't playing very well and deserved to come off. And I don't think you can you can keep Delhi on the pitch because he's our captain. Every player is equal. And I don't think you can keep him on to try and get him to play his way into form. He's, he's not playing well at the moment and he shouldn't be starting. And I think keeping him out there is a sense of this is Delhi, who was a good player two and a half years ago. I think it's a little bit unfair on others who, who will go out there and create the moments that ended up killing these, this team off. So I guess from my perspective, I I had no doubt that we'd beat Mura. I mean, even at the point where we made the subs, I, I just thought there's no need to worry about this. It's, it's all fine. Um, they scored this goal, but it's not a problem. And so from that perspective, I was thinking... Firstly, let's get let's get one of the youngsters on. It'd be nice to see one of the youngsters come off the bench and, and get a bit of time on the pitch because we haven't done much development of youngsters other than Scarlet yet. Um, but I was thinking, I was thinking, okay, if you're going to bring on Kane, no problem with bringing on Kane. Give Scarlet a few minutes with him. Let Scarlet play with Kane and see how that changes things. So take off um, take off one of the wingers, one of the wide players. Stick Scarlet wide because he played. He's played wide before for the 18s. It's it's not a problem to have him there. Uh, give him give him some experience of playing with a top quality striker who will help you in the final third. And um and the Delhi thing. So Delhi got hooked at halftime against Arsenal, and I think that must have been pretty devastating for him. Like he's been with us for a long time. He understands the rivalry. Um, like he he didn't play particularly well against Arsenal, but that's because our midfield set out to play in this horrendous way, which we analysed to death in the last episode. So that was one thing. And then he's made captain in this game, and I was like, okay, that's that's nice. He took him off at halftime against Arsenal, and now he's given him the captaincy, and it's like a bit of a confidence boost to him. That seemed like a good thing to do in terms of man management and, and building him back up after sacrificing him at halftime. And then to sort of take him off in that way that suggested you're the problem here. I thought it was kind of undoing all that good work in terms of man management. And I don't disagree. I didn't think Delhi played very well. I, I thought he was pretty average when he had the ball and he didn't get it much because of the aforementioned winks and skip double pivot. But he's always been average on the ball. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) the issue is your ability to get it to him and get it to him Mm -hmm. in the final third, Mm -hmm. where his quality is his movement is what he does off the ball, both in terms of in possession and out of possession as a team. I don't know. I think that like his biggest weakness has always been his technical skill on the ball. And I think he has um, improved, probably not enough to be like ha- happy, um, but I think he's improved a little technically over the years. But what's happened is that that side of his game has been seen more and been more of a necessity yes. and been more of 
um, been we've relied more on the sort of limited technical skill over time. So you've seen more of what is a slightly improving weakness. But his his off the ball brilliance has always been there. It's just like if we were a team who at any point in the last three years like controlled the ball in the final thirds um he would still be a great great player um so i don't know maybe you you maybe you don't want to play him if we're not Mm -hmm. like dominating the game but i think that his defensive work and especially right now uh, you know over the last two games i think we've pressed really well our defensive game has been really strong the last two games maybe you don't need him because it's already good enough but i think that um I think that his his defensive work would be would be really useful at the moment as the number ten uh, with Ndombele playing deeper. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, yeah, absolutely. But then that, that's that whole conversation again. Yeah, exactly. And um, I, I mean, I just think that I, I I'm nothing against the concept of Delhi being substituted when he's not playing well. I think that's it's fine to substitute any player when they're not playing well. But it's just the nature of it and the kind of the gesture, the sort of statement it it made that I didn't like. Um, and then obviously he's benched for the following game, so he's now been hooked at half time against Arsenal, pulled off when we were struggling to break down Mora, and now benched in a game we subsequently won. Um and maybe it's that Delhi is is the problem, but I don't think it is, and I think it looks uh, it's I really think, bad for him. I think I think you're looking for I think you're looking for something here, Wendy. There is I don't think there's anything there. I just don't think he, he's been playing very well. He, and he got pulled at half time out against Arsenal. We played better second half. He got pulled off against Mora and uh, we played better after he came off. And then he didn't start against Villa, we beat Villa. And I think that's kind of what it is right now. Nuno sees his team playing better about Delhi. And for better or worse, there has been an a upturn in improvement. I am I remain a Delhi fan, but sometimes the the, the, the team or the system may needs painful changes and perhaps this is this is one of the change that we need to go through at the moment and I think I thought Lacelso played brilliant against Mura and um Ndombele is Ndombele so I, I think those two deserve to be in front of him right now yeah I mean I don't disagree I think kind of how Nathan said it he just doesn't suit the system that Nuno wants to play ultimately and um I think he can I do think that he can in the 10 um yeah in the 10 or even as like you know um the 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 role where he is the most advanced a like he can definitely play that role in terms of like he does all the running um and then like if we are a team again who are getting into the final third then he can arrive from that role into position to be like your secondary target your secondary runner making supportive runs or distracting runs or the run that matters and stuff like that all of that he can be excellent at so i don't think it's it's like he he has to play as a number ten, or he can't play as an advanced eight or whatever. Um, I think it's just what we're doing as a team. But I think that um, I think the Villa game would have been an interesting one for him, one where we're like back and forth all game, and there's space between lines for him. Maybe that could have been interesting. But it, then you are the trade off from that is that like he is going to lose the ball in a couple mm-hmm. of those situations. But then he's also going to support the attack better, arriving mm-hmm. in the final third. So it's that trade-off. Um, I just like just generally, I just think that he's a really worthwhile, brilliant player who we have like failed for a long time. But there you go. Yeah, exactly. And I, I kind of think against Villa, he would have basically had the same game that Ndombele had, which was a not that impressive game because he didn't get the ball sure. lots. I mean, I I sort of think what's interesting about the Villa game and what I would like us to work on changing is that Huibier had. 80 to 90 touches of the ball and Dombele had about 40 and I would want them to meet in the middle I'd want in, in a functioning team that gets the best out of our best players I would want Huibier to have fewer touches and Dombele to have a lot more touches yes uh, and that's um 
that would be progress to me. But we'll see whether it actually happens under Nuno. Uh, we, we're going to have a bit of a catch up on some of the questions that we've been getting from our, our lovely listeners. So this one, this is more of a, a statement and not a question. This is from Solar Spurs, who says, "You all have ruined football for me." <laughs> Say a nice. I'm enjoy- <laughs> what? Go on. I'm enjoying you say y'all. Y'all. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the Americans love love a y'all. Uh, y'all have ruined football for me. <laughs> say a nice pass went upfield that amounted to a touch in the final third, and then the ball getting kicked out for a goal kick. I used to think, ugh, wasted opportunity. Now it's okay, sure, wasted opportunity. But did you, did you see how Sonny timed the run? How Tongi made the space, and before that, Skip fielded pressure and laid it off to Real, who tracked back and then played to, played well to Dyer, who hit the diagonal on his weak foot. It's like a whole new world, and I thought that was really sweet. And um, and yeah, absolutely. I think th- there's so much more to notice apart from just the ball going out of play for a goal kick and a wasted chance. Um, and actually, it kind of shows the way that you're t- you're taught to look at football through the shit punditry we get on Match of the Day or Sky or whatever, it misses out so much of this stuff. And it kind of reminds me a bit of that um, that diagram which we've retweeted from the extra inch account a few times, the, uh, the here's the defence and here's tackles happening, here's the strikers and here's goals happening, and then here's the middle bit where the magic happens, ball magically gets from one of the pitch to the other. Yeah. Uh, it's still so underappreciated in terms of uh, punditry, but yeah, nice observation from Soda and uh, we appreciate you, buddy. Yeah, I do think sometimes you, if you're at a stadium, you get kind of swept up in the whole kind of movement, get forward, <laughs> attack, especially when Spurs recycle the play and come back and end up working it back to the centre-backs. But you can see there's a, well, maybe not under Nuno, but under other managers, there's a science to it. The reason why you come back is because the the, the avenue is closed. You come back, you recycle it. And this is something you'll see Man City do. As much as they are exciting and they burst through the lines and everything else, there is a lot of recycling the play and working it back. And you keep hold of possession to tire the other opposition out and then to wait for space. It, not everything has to be running straight at the goal. Um like Lucas does. Not Absol- everything has to be Lucas. Absolutely. Sometimes City will have what looks to be a really stale passing sequence where they've achieved nothing. And that might be 30 passes to actually move 10 yards up the pitch or, yeah. or to move the opposition players around to an extent where they've suddenly got an overload. Uh, and that's, I think, it's interesting. It's it's not like it's not shots and it's not goals, but it's interesting to me. Anyway. And that's why one of the best midfielders in the world right now is Jorginho, who doesn't do anything, but he does that ticking over. He keeps it all moving. I can see you shaking your head, Wendy, but you're wrong on this. But and so is Harry Brooks shouting and firing shots at him. And that's why Jorginho is one of the best centre midfielders right now because he does that. He's got no movement. He's got no oomph, but he's he's a goat. He's he's basic. He's basic. <laughs> he's fine. Uh, Sam Sunny says, not football related, but how do you guys work, play, have relationships and still put out so much content whilst having to interact with people like myself and Jam? I struggle <laughs> with mental health and have been struggling with finding my creative time and I'm so impressed by what y'all produce. <laughs> <laughs> I was impressed that you found two questions that are like aren't questions that are statements that are compliments and also both have y'all in them um, <laughs> great great question finding Wendy. I'm literally just copying and pasting them in order so <laughs> there's, there's no effort gone into this at all uh, I, well this week very badly this, this week I worked a lot and achieved nothing um, 
and 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 had a hard time with it but most of the time well i i can't i can't give like good useful helpful advice on this because i'm i'm really really lucky that like that we have like the extra inch x sub fan base and we have the patreon and, and everything's going so well for me and i'm able to find a work-life balance and i haven't been able to find before and i'm able to enjoy what i'm doing which i haven't been able to do before <laughs> within that i'm able to say look um <clears throat> It's better that like I'm enjoying what I'm doing and therefore creating quality content than I just like push myself and make sure I'm like hitting forty hours a week and doing all of that to churn things out at a higher rate because then I'm not gonna be enjoying it and it's not gonna be as good, right? It's better to have like quality over quantity and I do think that between us we achieve quite a bit of quantity. I think that as a three we like we delegate quite well so we we do stuff together like the the main pod and then we go apart and we do separate things and then like Wendy's admin ability and hosting ability and, and body sort of other content and then and then coming back to me and I like, do the the tech that that works well between us and we sort of lucked into that combination of skills um I don't know I I, I just think we're lucky is, is the unfortunate answer to that I think um, I think where he says he's struggling with mental health and stuff, I, I just try and understand what's important. I mean, I do quite often lay in bed or stand in the shower and I think about stuff I haven't done and how Windy probably thinking bad things about me. <laughs> Windy does affect my mental health quite often, but I, I do think um, I do think it's important. I'm, I'm very lucky that I have a a wife who understands how important this is to me and is is understanding and and gives me that that time on the Monday. She knows Monday evenings is kind of out and there'll be a couple of nights during the week where I'll be yeah. doing podcast stuff. So it's, it's, it's really, I'm really lucky there. But I do think your mental health is the most important thing. So I wouldn't get too stressed out about stuff, Sam. Just try and do what makes you, what makes you happy. And yeah, just, just try and focus on the good stuff. Yeah, I would, I would echo that. Um, my partner is very, she's very understanding of the amount of time I plow into this. Um, one thing I really struggle with is, is switching off and allowing myself to switch off. Mm-hmm. Um and that's because there's there's just always stuff to do. We, we we get a lot of emails and they're really lovely, but someone's got to reply to them. And so I reply to them, and suddenly I find that it's Saturday morning at eleven o'clock, and I've spent three hours replying to the emails and sorting out invoices. And it's like even on I think it was like Friday night this week, I was I, I promised myself that I would just do nothing and I would just have a nice <laughs> Friday night of just watching Netflix. And then I'm like, oh shit, I forgot to pay Spooky. I've got to log into PayPal and pay Spooky and then record that in our finance spreadsheet and then file the invoice. And yeah, it's tiring. It's tiring. This, there's, there's a lot of work that goes alongside it, but we've chosen to do this. And, um, and ultimately, it is enjoyable and it's worth it because we have so many good interactions and the Discord community is a huge and important part of my life now. And, uh, and yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't change it for the world. Uh, so T. Perta says, does Poch get credit he's due in the circumstances? He sure does get sniffed at. And I found that quite an interesting reading of the situation because, I mean, maybe it's just the people I surround myself self with. Um, but I don't know that Poch does get sniffed at. Am I wrong? Buddy, do you think Poch gets sniffed at? No, of course not. He's um, he, he's everything we keep referring back to. We can't let yeah. go of Pochettino. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's the biggest credit we can give to him. Of course he made mistakes. He's a, he's a human being and he's a football manager. They make, make mistakes all the time. Their whole career is is set up to be fired eventually. He's, you've never seen a career like it. They get, they get hired and they 
they will get sacked at some point. And that's just what happens. And I've been critical of him, but the fact that we keep referring back to Pochettino, he left us, I don't know, three, four years ago, and he's still what we, he's, people are still out there now crying for him to return. That's the really, he gets the credit he deserves. And that's the, that's why he's so important to us. I think it's, it almost goes too far. And it's, it ties into Tottenham that we're constantly looking backwards all the time. How was it then? Let's just go back to that. And I'm sure when um, Bill Nicholson left, there was people still going, oh, let's get him back. And uh, Birkinshaw the same. And it's just it's just one of those that we will never stop um, talking about Pochettino. That's the biggest compliment we can give him. When Harry Kane eventually retires, we will keep talking about Harry Kane. And that's that's the that's that's what greatness is because people continually to talk people continually talking about you. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I feel like people wouldn't speak about him so much if we've got the next series of appointments, right? Or one of the next mm. series of appointments, right? I mean, it's just, we go back to him because we've just appointed shit managers since. It's like yeah. watching miserable football that makes us miserable. And he made us very happy with a lot of happy football. It was a lot of misery as well at the end. Oh, the last I, hate, I hated the end. I hated the last nine months of the Pochettino because... Because it was such a direct contrast to what we'd seen before. And it's like, I know this guy can achieve more, but he's playing Winks to Soko midfield. Um, and I, I do still, I honestly think that people constantly and only talk about how Levy let Pochettino down by, by not signing players that summer. And I think that there's part of that narrative that is correct, i.e. he should have absolutely insisted on refreshing the squad. But the part that's often forgotten is that we know that Pochettino turned down Tiedemans and he turned down, I think Ricardo Pereira he turned down as well. He turned down players that weren't, he didn't think they were perfect. He wanted only to sign perfect players and he wouldn't settle for acceptable players who would have improved the squad. And that was ultimately his undoing. Um, and I, I could be... I, Obviously, I don't know all the details. This is the thing. We're not in the room when Levy and Pochettino are having these conversations. But I refuse. I simply refuse to believe that Levy wouldn't have sanctioned any transfers. I think he made a good call on Tielemans. I I didn't like it at the time, but I think the like. I mean, essentially, we 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 let Tielemans go to Leicester, and then we signed a Dombele the next year. The problem is the, the mm-hmm. year in between. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that was a decent call. Pereira was definitely a terrible call. Um, obviously, he's he's had a serious, a major, major injury that's that's done him. Uh, set him back quite some way since then but I think he was like strong contention for the best right back in the world <laughs> before that so that was a bad call but you know he, you're going to miss some I think that like just between them like um, Pochino wanting only perfect players and, and, and Levy saying <laughs> what about uh, this guy from over here you know that kind of thing uh, a, a failure between them, but um, I don't know. I mean, obviously, this is this podcast is the Pochettino loving podcast. So, in terms of like, does he get the credit he's due? Well, he does from us. Yeah, um, I, I so think, much. and I think, like, I, I, I do regularly get into Twitter arguments with people who want to like downplay what Pochettino achieves, but like, I still think that those are the minority between Spurs mm. fans. Um, does he get the the credit that he's due from like mass media? Uh, and he's probably being criticised now because PSG are bad, but PSG are bad. I tweeted this in the other day, and I got a whole bunch of angry PSG fans telling me that if you have Messi and Neymar and Mbappe, you have to win everything. But if you have Messi, Neymar and Mbappe, then you're defending with eight players. <laughs> yeah. So, which, which you can do if, if two of those players are Donnarumma and Verratti, because they were they were spectacular <laughs> against Messi. But he's a yeah against manager. City. But then like, but then like 
every week in the league you have to defend with eight players against you know and it's just it's it's gonna fail at some point or it's, it began to fail because uh, of course it has um so maybe if he gets sacked by psg he'll be like low rated um and that would be wrong but that would mean that he's much more open to coming back to us and, <laughs> and he'll be you know even already available so 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 good probably not that i think that like put, getting put you know back is the only way that we can like return to that level as a club and that's our only route and that we should just like hang on him and and just wait around for him but um i do think it's a it's a valid <laughs> it's a valid plan it's not the worst one out there. Um, so, like, yeah, I guess it depends who you're asking, but I think that I think that I think that he is um, really well respected amongst Spurs fans, and I think those who had doubts over him and have seen what have happened since um, have probably been uh, have probably got an increased respect for for what he was able to. So, you know, getting the Winks Sissoko midfield to the Champions League final is um, probably one of the greatest football achievements in the history of the biggest sport in the world. Mm. So uh, <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, I think the 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 sniff that um, point that T. Perter is making is in relation to the lack of trophies, isn't it? That's the that, okay. that's the reason that people sniff at him because he didn't win something, and and to an extent, I get it, I get it. But that is also, I mean, you're just you're, you're just refusing to acknowledge what it meant to be a Spurs fan for those years. I mean, yeah. he did play Sun at left back, and he did play Vaughan. <laughs> <laughs> in multiple semi-finals, uh, there's there is there is something there. Sure, that he, he if you go back and watch the, no, if you go back and watch the semi-final against United, where we we bossed them in the first half, and then Pogba absolutely picks up Dembele and just puts him in his place. There, the United winning goal goes straight through Vaughan, and uh, there was other cup ties against Leicester where Vaughan just started chucking the ball in the net, and Son give did Son give away a penalty against Moses against Chelsea. Yep. Yeah, there were some bad decisions in in Fazio. cup So I will never forget Fazio. Me, I just always think of Ricky whenever I think of that Fazio game. Um, yeah, so he did make weird decisions in cups, and he did um, focus a lot on the league. There was there was a Champions League game where he played Monaco away, and uh, he rested players for the Champions League game to play in the league game against Chelsea away, and then we got beat against we got beaten by Chelsea. So he did make weird decisions. He's still the greatest Tottenham manager of like my football watching lifetime. And he deserves a lot, a lot of credit for that. But he did make mistakes. But as I said before, he's human and he's a football manager. And he oversaw a lot of games. I mean, over that yeah. number of games, you're going to have made mistakes. And I'm sure he has regrets. And, um, and and also, when you look back in those mistakes, isolation, in isolation, of course, they look worse because you don't remember all the decisions and little things that happened in the weeks leading up to them. So it, you go, well, why did you do that? That's stupid. It's like, well, yeah, because I only had these players available and because this player was, you know, about to get injured if they played another minute. And so it, it's, it just changes the context completely. But I think if you if you sniff at Pochettino's record at Spurs, then you, you're just ignorant. I mean, he was he was he was objectively brilliant. Everyone who you would everyone whose opinions on football you would listen to says that he's a brilliant manager. He he is and was a brilliant manager. He achieved incredible things for Spurs. He did it in the most happy, jovial, lovable way that made us all buy into our football club again. And even briefly took some of the heat off Daniel Levy. I mean, that's a, that speaks volumes. I mean, Spurs fired him and PSG appointed him. If, if Man United fire Ole next week or whatever, he, PSG aren't appointing him. Arteta's not getting a job at PSG. Your friend Potter's not going to get a job at PSG either <laughs> right now. So there is, it does show the level he, he's held in regards to if you're having a conversation with someone about Pochettino and they say, yeah, but he didn't win any trophies, the correct response is to end the conversation. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Absolutely. And honestly, it's like, what? why do you follow Spurs? Why? They're not necessarily a Spurs fan, though. Like, it could mm. be some, you know, some Chelsea fan trying to downplay Pochettino's achievements or whatever. Yeah. But I just think that, like, it's just not a conversation worth having. It's just any conversation that is, that is won or lost on but the trophies <laughs> is just, like, is not a conversation worth having at all. And, and, not, and not a person worth trying to persuade of anything or care about what they think. So Save your energy. So yeah. <laughs> It's like Walking Dead, the three questions. What do you think about trophies? They aren't saying correctly, just leave them. You've been listening to The Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud, D Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.